Hi, I'm Ali, and this is What Would Sappho Say, the podcast where I read as many sapphic novels as I can, and I share my reviews with you, so that you can spend your time and your money on literature you'll actually enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to What Would Sappho Say, I'm Ali, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, My book for this week is Cinderella is Dead. Um, by Caelan Byron. When I was sitting reading this book, my mother came into the room and she was like, Cinderella is dead. What the fuck is that? <laughs> She's not one for fantasy novels. Uh, so, as always, I don't feel comfortable trying to explain to you what a f- fantasy novel is about because I'm not very good at it and I never do the story justice. Like, it's just really bad. If I try to, if I play a video game and I try to explain to my girlfriend what it is, I'll just be like, this monster is killing creepy looking fellas and that's just what it is whereas when she explains to me what happens in the game it's very detailed and you're kind of really interested and want to play I don't manage that and so I'm just going to read you the synopsis on the back of the book because I feel like that does a better job and then if I miss anything you'll kind of you'll already have the gist of what it is so it says it's 200 years since Cinderella found her prince but the fairy tale is over Sophia knows the story off by heart because every girl has to recite it daily from when she's tiny until the night she's sent to the royal ball for choosing and every girl knows that she only has one chance for the lives of those not chosen by a man at the ball are forfeit. But Sophia doesn't want to be chosen. She doesn't want to go to the ball at all. Not when she's afraid the girl she loves might be chosen too. Pushed beyond breaking By a society that denies everything she is, Sophia sets out on a journey that will remake her world into one where she gets to choose. So basically, all the women in this village, or in this town, have to learn the story about Cinderella, like the back of their hand. And every year they go to a ball where they get chosen by men to be their wives or their brides or whatever. Um, And it's supposed to try and coax the fairy godmother to reappear um so it's to try and live out that uh that cinderella story again because the king of this nation um says that that's what cinderella intended and that's what she wanted when she um when she became when like when she married prince charming is that she wanted the world to function the way her and her marriage did and so they, he says that they have to keep reliving it and reliving it and reliving it. But, um, ooh, okay, so sm- uh, there, I, I want to give a trigger warning for this book. There's uh, quite a few references to domestic abuse. Um, so do be aware of that if you're going to pick it up. I want to get that in early in case I forget. <laughs> um, but that is in there. I wasn't actually aware of it. Um, now, I should have guessed by the synopsis that there was a little bit of mis- misogyny in in the way the world worked, which is... There is, there's a lot of it. I mean, women are chosen by men at a ball and they have to look amazing. And if they don't get picked, it means they're too ugly or too poor. So they just kill them off. Um, so I probably should have guessed it, but I didn't. Um, but Sophia doesn't like men. She likes women. <laughs> um, and Cinderella and Cinderella can't get married. Um, uh, so yeah, trigger warning for that. Um, if you are, if you do by the end of this, decide to read it. Or if you are going to recommend it to somebody, please don't forget to give them the trigger warnings because books don't have them, which is just very upsetting. I've only come across one book uh, that has had the trigger warning in it. So uh, 
quick note to authors, maybe put those in there. Um, anywho, Sophia, as I said, she exclusively likes women. And in the beginning of this book, you understand that she has a sort of not really, but kind of does have a relationship with another girl, Erin. Um, Erin is very like cynical. She wants to do what her parents have asked her to do, and that's to get ready for the ball and find a, a, a husband and, and make good money. Um, Sophia wants to run away with Erin. She wants to leave the town that they're in and and try to find a place where they can be together and be themselves. And she sort of, you kind of get the feeling that Sophia wraps all of her life plans and her wants and her needs around her love for Erin. Um, and so everything she says and does, she wants to include her in. And it's all to get away so she can be with her because she's not allowed to be who she is in this in this world. But Erin is very reluctant. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, we'll get killed. People will catch us. It won't work. Um, and throughout the rest of the book, you kind of find that Erin is sort of a bitch. Now, she's obviously very repressed. She's not allowed to uh, love Sophia. And the world she lives in is misogynistic and sexist and all sorts of abusive. Um, but there's a couple of things that in the beginning that she says to Erin that are sort of um, little red flags that she may have loved Sophia when they first met um, out of like a fantasy thing but doesn't anymore and thinks that Sophia's kind of gone off her head. Um, there's a couple of things that she says that when I read them I was like, oh, that's not nice. Um, and then there's stuff that are, are like genuinely like really horrible things that she says and so I'm sort of glad they don't end up together. I don't know if Erin is supposed to be mean. I don't know if she's just supposed to represent the fear of the women in the town that they will just go so far and beyond to make sure that they they do what they're told so that they don't die. Um, and I think Sophia's mom is also a representative of that because she says to Sophia that you have to live the way the king want you, wants you to. And Sophia asks her, like, do you do you not just want me to be happy like and her mother says that happiness is a bonus basically so um yeah I don't know if Erin is supposed to signify that I would imagine she is um but she's just like really mean I wasn't invested in their relationship at all because well Erin's not nice uh anyway <laughs> um so as I mentioned before like if you don't get picked at the ball you die. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, misogyny in the sense of like women are objects, and if they're not good enough for the men, they get rid of them. Uh, so like all of you, all of the money you make, if you have a job, goes to your husband. Um, you, the the husband basically rules all. So you could have owned a shop before you were married, but once you got married, the shop now belongs to your husband and that sort of thing. So everything that's done in this world is to please men. So, you know, uh, it's not great. Don't love it. Uh, however, I this is the first time Goodreads and I didn't agree. So when I went to Goodreads to uh, find some other reviews and opinions from people, as I always do, most of the 90% of the time I will agree with them. Or 99% of the time, if you go through this in entire series of a podcast you'll see that I normally always agree with what they say this time though I didn't there was a lot of people who were upset with the the timing 
um, the pace, the predictability of it, um, and the, 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 the constant thing was they were wanting more. It lacked something. There wasn't, it wasn't what they were expecting. Now, I don't know about you when you heard the synopsis or if you read the synopsis. I got the feeling that it was going to be a very cliche sort of fantasy um, in flipping something on its head. Uh, I I didn't expect a, a really intense, um, really like you have to pick it apart sort of fantasy novel. I, I wasn't expecting that. And so I was sort of impressed with what I got. Um, so... I don't know. The the pacing, I think, is an issue for people because when it comes to the romantic love story in this, if you like a slow burn, you've got one. So, you know, um, if you don't like slow burns, this is probably not your book. Um, if you need something that ends in, like, very distinct, like, they got married and lived happily ever after, this is Cinderella upside down, so you're probably best not to look for that here. I'm not saying there's no happy ending. I just... I'm saying it's it's not that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we kind of disagreed. I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was very lighthearted. I thought it was really interesting. I thought the world that was created was a very intense version of the way things used to be and the way sometimes they still are. Um, it's not necessarily as, as dark, I don't think, as it is in this book where a king will kill a woman off if she's not good enough for the man because most places aren't run by kings anymore and so um you know it's it's not false necessarily the way that this fantasy runs and I enjoyed the pacing of it I I thought it was really well done it didn't at no point was I bored I I should mention I finished this book in one day um most of the time it takes me two to three days to finish a book because I have things to do and I have to eat and I have to wash myself and all of those normal human things but this I literally I had to the day I started reading it I had to go for dinner in the afternoon uh, at about five o'clock um which I know for some people is a weird time to have dinner it's very early but <laughs> I don't know what to tell you um I had to get ready for this dinner and I waited until literally the last 40 40 minutes before I had to leave to start getting ready (laughs) because I was so absorbed into this book like I just couldn't put it down I the only place I didn't take it with me was to the bathroom because that's unhygienic um so yeah I I loved this I thought it was brilliant it was really investing and like I, I I really invested in it and wanted to see Sophia win and like get rid of this king and this misogynistic world because it was horrible it was really really difficult to read the domestic um abuse parts um or any of the psychological abuse parts were particularly difficult um however it, it's going to be very relatable to people possibly in the area of abuse or the general misogyny um but then also Sophia as a queer character um and as a black queer character and the way she sort of uh, talks about her appearance and things like that and how it's um, different to her love interest is is really nice. And she also like describes her own features. Um, 
and she does it in a in a really gentle sort of loving way and I, I really enjoyed those parts where she talked about herself and her appearance because it just seemed like it was the thing she loved most about herself um and then her love interest who is um Constance who from the get-go you know is her love interest so I'm not spoiling anything for you there the second you meet Constance you know exactly what's going on you could cut the sexual tension with a knife um so but Constance is the polar opposite to Sophia she is um redhead or yeah she's a redhead she's got really really pale skin she's got loads of freckles up the Irish (laughs) um I think this is set in France but anyway um she's like I think she Sophia describes it as fawny skin it was even the way she describes Constance um appearance is really really nice um so she says um her fawny dewy and smooth uh skin seems to glow from within and if that's not the most adorable thing you've ever heard I don't know what is um but I think that's I think it's really pretty and you can tell that Sophia is sort of enamored by Constance and Constance is the op- the opposite of all the women in this town she she wears pants and she has a sword kind of thing and she's a badass she wears a hair in a braid so that it doesn't get in the way when she's in combat um so i that Constance's character is the kind of character that if you wanted to do the whole why can't the knight in shining armor be a woman Constance is exactly what you would imagine that person to look like like that's the way she's described she's a she's a bad bitch um there's actually a moment where Sophia herself says something along along the lines of like why can't I be the the knight in shining armor why can't I be the one to to do the saving so there's this real sense of like why is it the men that need to be in this position of like power and we're the saviors and the heroes. So Sophia wants the world to be on the uh, uh, completely flipped on its head, which I think a lot of queer people can uh, can agree on and can relate to, um, and especially that feeling of wanting to be the one to do the saving and not be the one saved. Um, I personally have no problem with being the one saved. I wouldn't mind playing the damsel in distress. My girlfriend, whoever, would love to be the knight in shining armor. So. You know, um, there's two sides to the coin, but both I both I think are very relatable. Um, the other thing I, I I did mention this is a slow burn. However, it's not one that goes unaddressed. So through the entire thing, once you meet Constance, obviously because she's not in the beginning of the book, um, Sophia goes to the ball and decides she's going to do a legger, and when she does run away she runs into Constance and Constance is very confident and very sure and she knows how to get away from the place and she knows how to save her own ass as I said she's a bad bitch we love it um and Sophia obviously having the courage to go and jump out of freaking window <laughs> to get away from all these men who wanted to marry her and <laughs> um, there are obviously pieces in that story like at the ball that lead to her doing that but I'm not going to give you them because you should just read it because it's very interesting um so from the get-go Constance and Sophia are kind of flirty from from the very beginning and it's very obvious that they're kind of like curious about each other um the flirting is really humorous and it continues throughout the throughout the the book um 
so as I said it's not it's it's a slow burn but you get more and more each each chapter so each chapter there's more flirting or there's more tension or there's more moments of like long glancing looks and things like that so it's it's sort of yearny um I wouldn't necessarily call it pining um because neither of them are those kind of characters Sophia is very headstrong she's very stubborn um she's very determined um Constance is obviously very cool very like um she has sort of a masculine sort of air about her she's um un un sort of unmoved um or unmoving uh they do meet another character called Amina and that's when you get to see a lot of Constance's character is through her interactions with Amina because she doesn't like Amina she doesn't trust her um Sophie on the other hand you get to see a more um level-headed uh side to her in those moments because in the beginning she's very like bah, I want to get out of here well and she's very like hectic and messy and like passionate um whereas when when you meet Amina you get to see a more level-headed more sort of structured and more understanding side to Sophia where she's actually like very clever and she isn't just in this rush of of fantasy and passion and like seeing the grass is greener on the other side because quite frankly it's definitely greener because holy shit anything's better than that um so but you, you get to see a more mature side to her in those conversations but Constance you get to see a more like fighty kind of side to her which makes the book really amusing and it makes it there's a lot of moments of humor and as I said a lot of the flirty moments you kind of giggle at because you get kind of like excited about it they're they're really cute and they're really like oh is it gonna happen are they gonna do it are they gonna kiss um but it's a slow burn so most of the time you're wrong um <laughs> but you get to um I, I don't want to give you too much information about Constance because her character has a really big part in the plot and the climax of the story but what I will tell you is that you I think will love her by the end of the book you'll just love her character and you'll want to you'll want to be around her. Sophia develops in a way that you already know a chunk of her a really big chunk of her you know that her her vision for life is completely different to the one she currently lives in and to a lot of the women around her. Her mom, she she mentions that her mom tends to use the word different when it comes to her. And I think a lot of us can relate to the fact that when somebody uses different towards us, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's like they want to say it without saying it. Um, So they just say different, but it's always a, a sort of like, oh, they're just a bit different. Um, so it's said with an air of like, mm, maybe don't go over there. Um, and she does mention that a lot. And so you get to see, you, you already know those things about Sophia, that she's sort of out, outside of the box for most people. Um, but as I said, the, the more the, the climax of the story hits and we meet Amina and all of those things, you get to see another side to her, which I, I really liked. It was very mature. It was You could tell that she wasn't just coming at this out of pure fire and passion. It was coming from a real genuine place that she wanted to change all of this and she wanted to, to remove the king from the throne. And um, whereas Constance still stays, she, you get to learn a lot about her and you get to see soft moments when she gets kind of jealous or she gets kind of protective over Sophia. Love those moments. They're great. Um, they're so cute. Um, 
And I think we all, anybody who is happy to play the damsel will really, really love Constance. And anybody who wants to be uh, the saviour will love both characters um, regardless. But uh, Constance is the actual picture of what we see when, not necessarily physically, um, but just in her demeanour and her clothing that you're like, that's that's what I mean when I say I want to be the 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 savior or the the knight in shining armor um so you're there's something in both characters for everybody um Sophia does mention that she does like wearing dresses sometimes but sometimes she would also like to dress the way Constance does so she there's a lot of different aspects to both of their characters and they're both very relatable as queer characters the main thing I liked about their relationship is two things one of them is that they never have to have a conversation about the fact that they're queer. No, that neither of them have to check. Are you, do you like girls? That's never a conversation that's had. Um, also, Sophia's mom is aware that she she is in, she was in love with Aaron. And so, you know, it's, it's really nice to see that even in the thing of like, they're not supposed to be together. And if the king found out he'd lose his mind, their families still know. And it seems that other people in this world are aware of those things, but you just don't say it to the, you just can't let the king or any of his people find out. Um, but they, they don't have to have a conversation. They just know that there's a connection and that's it. That's all. That's as much as they need to know. The other thing that I like is that it's extremely healthy. They have really, really honest and really good conversations. Um, they have very open conversations where they learn a lot about each other. Um, Constance actually goes so far as to ask Sophia about Erin and like does she think about her often and all of these things so she doesn't Constance doesn't expect Sophia to just drop the idea of Erin altogether just because they have this connection she 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 understands that Erin was probably Sophia's first love and it was very intense and it was why she wanted to get away from the world that they're in and so she allows Sophia the space to to talk about that and express that. And Sophia also allows Constance to um, figure out who she is because there's a lot, as I said, there's a lot of Constance character that's very integral to the, the climax of the story. So um, true that Constance learns a lot about herself and she kind of has a bit more depth to herself as it moves and as she learns and Sophia kind of aids her in those moments so it's a particularly healthy relationship that I, I really enjoyed because it wasn't just this passionate throw of like I'm attracted to you and you're attracted to me and we're doing this absolutely nuts thing together but um, it, it's actually a very honest and, and very um, real sort of relationship even in this fantasy novel um where they constantly read the story about Cinderella, their relationship is very realistic and it's very genuine. And I, I really enjoyed reading about it and getting to know them as individuals and also them as, as, a, as a couple or as two people that like each other, I guess. Um, Amina is also great. She sort of reminds me of... Um, she sort of reminds me of Edelin from The Owl House, if you've watched that show. And um, that's sort of what Amina gives me the vibes of. Um, so she's great. She adds a lot of humour. Um, and I didn't have a problem with the pacing because it wasn't... It was. It, I, I feel it was done really, really well. Um, it still was... It still 
kept my interest all the way through. Um, and the the actual like fantasy world, it was a little bit in the beginning, you're sort of just launched into it. Um, it's sort of because it's from Sophia's perspective, you sort of start in the middle. You don't start at the beginning. Um, her her story start. You get to learn about her story in the middle of her story, um, not necessarily at the very beginning. And so it's a little bit strange the first couple of chapters because you're being told like, oh, this happens and this happens and this happens, and you're going, but why? I, I don't get it. Like, what is actually going on? What kind of world is this? Like, you don't get any explanation for what kind of world you're in until a couple of chapters in. And then obviously, as the story progresses, you learn more and more and more about the world. So the first, most fantasy novels have given us, or certainly that I've done, have given us the gist of the world that we're in, in the first five chapters. This one does it in the from like chapter six and onwards. You In the beginning, it's all very just, here's what the story is about and then they start to explain what the the world we're in is so it's a little bit confusing at the beginning in the first couple of chapters I was like "Ooh, I don't know about this I don't know how I feel about this because it was really hard to kind of keep up with what was going on because you didn't know anything um but then once once we got to sort of what I feel was the actual beginning I loved it and so I couldn't fault it after that necessarily. Um, and I, the amount of times I wrote the word relatable in this book is absolutely ridiculous. Like whether it's to queer people, sapphic people, women, um, gender fluid people, non-binary people. There's so many characters in this book and so many moments between, especially with Sophia and Constance, that so many people could relate to. Like so many. Um, so... It, it was a bit hairy in the beginning. I did have to kind of talk myself through the first couple of chapters. I did have to sort of uh, tolerate them, I suppose, but not necessarily in a really, really bad way. It was just a sort of, I know this is going to get going, but I really hope it's not all like this. And it isn't. It isn't. Uh, the first couple of chapters are more just introducing that the fact that we're in the middle of Sophia's story um, that she's telling. And then after that, you get more information. And as as I said, as the story grows or as the story moves forward, our characters develop, our plot develops. Um, we learn more about the, the world that we're in and, and those kind of things. So it it moves really nicely, I think, in my opinion, even with the first couple of chapters being the way they were. I really enjoyed the pacing of the book and I really enjoyed the pacing of the relationship between... Sophia and Constance and also Sophia and Erin. Sophia kind of um, finds her her moment to be strong with Erin, whereas in the beginning Erin ruled, ruled everything that Sophia did and, and said and felt and if uh, she kind of lived for Erin nearly um, and as I said there was a lot of moments where she spoke down to her but you get to see a moment where Sophia gets to find her feet and and uh, gets to have her say, and it's it's the, the way they develop um, both Constance and Sophia, but particularly Sophia is is amazing. I I, I really enjoyed it. it. Was very strong. Um, I don't want to give. I'm I kind of want to finish what I tell you there because. I, I really want everybody to go out and read this book and I don't want to give away too much information uh, because obviously it's a fantasy and I don't want to ruin the ending um, or the, the main climax of the story because it's so cool. 
I do have to agree on some points that it does end a little bit where you're like, oh, like, give me more than that. But that's a good thing, I guess. That's not, I wouldn't take that as a bad thing. But you do finish it kind of going, oh, like, just one more chapter just to, just to really send it home. But as I said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The fact that you want more suggests that you really enjoyed what you already got. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to do my writings. Um... So for plot, I've given it a five. Story development, I gave a four purely for the the beginning of it and then the end. Um, character development, I gave a five. Sto- uh, stereotypes, I gave a five. I genuinely wish I could give this more than five for stereotypes because the characters are so relatable and so well executed that like they break all of those... Um, stereotypes and then relatability I gave a five and honestly I've never read a story that had two queer characters that were more relatable in my life um it is um something that I think you will read it and be like oh I did that or oh I felt like that or oh I said something like that there's so many moments in this book where you can relate to it even if it's just Sophia's thoughts or Constance as a character or Amina's humor or there's there's so many things that you can relate to, or even Aaron's fear. Um, but there's just so many things. It was honestly, it was it was really nice to read a book where I spent the entire time going, Oh, there's so many people that will enjoy this because that's what we're looking for. Um, that's what I'm trying to find is is something that is good quality and, and that we can relate to as sapphics. Um and I, I genuinely feel like this is this is that book. It did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Um so yeah. The next episode is the last one of this season. Um, I'm really nervous about it. I'm also very excited. You may have seen it on Twitter already. My Twitter has been exploding this week (laughs) with all of the comments and the retweets and the likes because I posted that I was reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. That is going to be my final episode. Now, I haven't read this book yet. I uh, Obviously, I have started it if you have seen my Twitter. Um... So I have started the book, but I haven't read it before. My girlfriend has read it. My mother has read it. Um, everyone else around me has read it except for me. And so I'm going into this completely blind, which is a great thing because I don't. otherwise my opinion is somewhat biased. Um, but that's going to be my final episode for season one. Um, I would imagine you've all read it. If you haven't, then... I'm I'm like everybody else would say you should. It's why I picked this that book in the first place was because everybody was like, "Oh my god, you have to read the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo." So, I'm doing it. Um so, yeah, if you if you have read that book, please let me know if if there's anything that you think needs to be highlighted about the book. Um shoot me a message, you can DM me or you can email me or you can send me a message on Goodreads or whatever. Um, if you've read Cinderella is Dead, please let me know what you've thought of that, that book as well. I personally absolutely loved it. Um, my, <laughs> forgot to mention, oh my God, complete flip of the brain. Uh, that gives the book a 4.8 out of 5. So we're like two points out of 5. That's, I don't know how I forgot that, but I did. Um, but there you go. It's a, it's a 4.8 out of 5. Um, but yeah, if you've read The Seven Husbands or if you've read Cinderella is Dead, let me know. There will be YouTube com- content coming this week. So I swear all the technical difficulties that I get when I'm doing those things is such a pain in the ass. Um, so 
there will be YouTube content this week or on on Tuesday, so you know you can head over and, and um, hit the notification button on the on the channel or even on my Twitter to get those uh, to get those um, links. Um, I will see you in two weeks. You've been listening to What Would Sappho Say? Follow us on Twitter at www.saffosay and use the hashtag WWSS to join in the conversation. Thank you for your support and remember, when buying your next queer novel, ask yourself, what would Sappho say?